0: And welcome back to another summer edition of the Limited Upside Podcast. We do team previews, and this was the Dallas Mavericks edition. We had Tim Cato joining us. He's been on the podcast a few times. He's from Mavs Moneyball, knows his Dallas Mavericks, and has the pulse of the fan base, so it was good to talk to him. The Mavs were a playoff team last year. We talked a lot about what we think they'll be next year. An aging team, but what is their place within the Western Conference? We get into that. Harrison Barnes, another hot topic. Let's see. Reach out to the podcast. Shoot us questions. We get to those. You'll hear them throughout the course of this podcast and every podcast. We always use the questions. They help us. Send questions to Mike. Email him. MikePreda at SBNation.com. You can hit him up on Twitter at SBN. You can hit the show up on Twitter for questions also. That's at limited underscore upside. And send them to me at EpiBen. Whew. Before you listen to the podcast. Please subscribe, rate, review, all those good things that you do to podcasts wherever you get those podcasts on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Please put comments. And those rating the ratings and reviews are important because it helps people find our podcast. And we really do like getting to our fan questions, so it's all one big circle. So please give us those ratings. Give us those reviews. They help us. We want to hear what you guys have to say. <sighs> that was a lot. But here, guys, please enjoy the Summer Edition preview of the Limited Upside on Dallas Mavericks.
1: Okay, Dallas Mavericks. Tim Cato from Mavs Moneyball. Guys, I got to got to admit something. I uh, I thought the Mavs house of cards or whatever was going to totally fall apart last year. I thought Dirk looked old the previous year. I looked at the roster; didn't look very good. I saw a lot of injuries uh, with Matt West Matthews, Chandler Parsons. Didn't think they'd come back. I thought that DeAndre Jordan was going to be a gut punch. I thought they'd start off terribly and they pack it in. That did not happen. I looked pretty stupid, and they made the playoffs again, forty-two and forty. Tim, how how did they do it? I, I'm still kind of stunned that they were able to be as good as they were. It's it's still a little bit amazing to
2: me that you know the the way they did it. You know, I predicted about forty one, forty two wins. It feels like, but you know, getting Raymond Felton as as a key contributor for you know the entire season, and you know Wesley Matthews being as as you know playing as poorly as he did for for reason with his injury. Um, but you know Chandler Parsons being injured uh, longer than I thought he would. You know, or being limited earlier in the year, and then uh, you know getting injured at the end of the year and missing that too. Um yeah, it was it was a very strange way for this team to kind of scrape out forty two wins and, you know, I, I guess it comes back to Dirk being, you know, an all time great and still being, you know, up at that level. And it comes back to Rick Carlisle, you know, always being able to get the most out of his team. Um, you know, really no matter the circumstances or no matter uh what is what is happening around him, you know, you know, even even a DeAndre Jordan type thing happens in the summer, and you know the, the Mavericks just get right back to it thanks to Carlisle. So that's that's uh, that's that's the genius of him. And you know I've I've st- I've learned to stop betting against him pretty much no matter what.
0: <laughs> I feel like Carlisle and Dirk just having the two of those those pillars equals playoffs in some capacity. That's just just enough of the equation with the other parts that have been supplemented. Uh, around them during this time, um, and we should probably talk about that that part that kind of is the interchangeable subject here with Parsons, who we just mentioned, um, and that is the new small forward, a very well-paid small forward, part of the, uh, like you phrased it for the podcast, the bad 40% of the Golden <laughs> State starting lineup, but or, or potentially not bad, but uh, um, the wrong the less 40%. desirable, <laughs> yeah, the wrong the wrong 40%. Um, not to put anybody in buckets or anything like that here, but but these guys, uh, Barnes and Bogut are now. You know, taking their uh, last two deep playoff runs, the championship, that type of success, that understanding to a team here with Dirk, who has that uh, the championship pedigree. And then a Wes Matthews, a year removed from an Achilles injury now, two years removed, I should say, total. And it usually takes about a full year to get back to where you need to be. Um, so you should get a better version of him. Um, do, do we feel like that Harrison Barnes puzzle piece change it was the right move? Tim, is that something that people are embracing in Dallas?
2: Yeah, most people are, you know, at least optimistic. You know, you, you can't blame it. You know, Mavs fans, that's what you're supposed to be headed into a season. Um, mm-hmm. obviously, I have I have concerns. I had concerns be going into the summer. You know, I, I wanted them to stay away from Barnes at any cost. But you know, I've at least come <laughs> around and said, hey, let's give him a shot. Let's let's see him on the court. You know, he he deserves that much. You know, the he obviously has. Has concerns about stepping into a role this large, but he's not a bad player. Uh, he was clearly an average starter uh, with the Warriors, and uh, I, I do think that Carlisle, you know, just like he's able to get more out of his teams, I think he'll be able to get a little bit more out of Barnes. Whether that's max money, uh, you know, that he's able to get <laughs> out of him, I, I do have I do have serious doubts about that. But you know, he's he's not going to be a bad player. His his floor as a player is very very high. Um, it feels like, you know, at the very least, he's going to be a solid fourth to fifth starter uh, that you're just paying
0: too much. It's it's always hard to, to to separate or to differentiate a player's value from what they're being paid. Well, that's uh, like and the point I think that's,
1: of being what you're paid is it's well, it, value in a sense.
0: It, it, correct, but you can never fault a player for getting the money they do that's what the, the the separation part is where yes there's a value placed by a franchise within the league but when the player gets that contract if Harrison Barnes is offered a max deal Harrison Barnes is taking the max deal well, um, so I, it's it's so the point being that i i i hate that he has to be held Against the type of other caliber players that are making that money, whereas he didn't offer himself this contract, the Warrior, the uh, the Mavericks are the ones who are placing that that emphasis on the type of player they expect him to be. Uh, and as Tim just said, a, a fourth, fifth, you know, starter again on a team, or third, fourth type starter again on a team, you know, obviously isn't usually what a max money player is. But the scenario that played out and situation that that happened is what led to him now being that type of expensive starter um but so what is his ceiling in your opinion though mike
1: well i mean i think the more the germane question here is that there is a direct line of comparison and that's to chandler parsons who got the same contract who the mavs did not keep and that's a tough one tim why 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 didn't chandler parsons stay I'm, i was a little surprised by that i i was surprised too
2: and and mainly because he wanted to be back this was this was totally a decision made by the mavericks um, you know, actually very early on, kind of, you know, they, they wanted him to opt into the money. Uh, he had, a, I think, a $16 million team option they wanted, they wanted or a player option. They wanted him to opt into that. That obviously was not going to happen with Max money on the on the table. So, um, you know, pretty much from that point on, his his future with the Mavericks, um, you know, it slowly became obvious to us really following the team but you know i think i think as soon as he didn't opt in you know his future with the mavericks was done um which i thought i i did think was surprising you know the injury was was the biggest part it, it seems like um there was there was concerns about his health. and when you have two surgeries to the same knee, of course there's concerns. Um, I personally was never you know freaked out about it by it necessarily. The one bad surgery he had was last year. And mm-hmm. uh, to me during the season, it looked like he he had kind of come back and kind of recovered from that in um, the and you know, to tear your meniscus is bad luck and unfortunate. Um, but it's a very treatable injury. It's one that many many NBA players have had. Um, so, so to me, the injury concern, you know, especially in, in Houston, when it was never really a problem, uh, I, I was optimistic that he'd be able to stay healthy going forwards, but, uh, he wasn't too, he wasn't able to do that in Dallas. And, and that's, that's a problem. And, you know, that's, that's a big reason why they decided to move on from him. Um, you know, they they also had concerns about him being, you know, reaching his ceiling, reaching his potential. Um, if, if they had been able to bring in DeAndre Jordan, I think, uh, he could have been even better than he was here with the Mavericks. I think he really needed a, a rolling big man, and I think DeAndre Jordan would have been the perfect type of player um but when that didn't when that kind of failed and they didn't really have a uh have another center to to put next to him, you know he he wasn't always in the best situation um and you know that kind of speaks to the player he is you know he's he's gonna be very good when he's in the right situation and you know not quite as adaptable if uh, you're just giving the ball and asking him to create. That's not the type of player he is to just, you know, get a shot at the top of the key with, with an isolation scoring. Uh, <laughs> but, but I, I liked him. I I thought he was, I thought he had the potential to, you know, kind of grow his game with an offense tailored around him and, you know, ideally be a scorer next to Dirk that could uh, take a lot of weight off him. And I don't think Barnes is that
1: guy at all. Um, No. I mean, Chandler Parsons is a better player than Harrison Barnes. I mean, to me, I think it's fairly – that's obvious, honestly. Uh, And it's just so weird. I mean, a year ago, Chandler Parsons is like the lead recruiter, and he's, he's the one pursuing DeAndre Jordan, and he's the one that's always hanging out with Mark Cuban. And one year later, he's not even being offered what he's worth and they didn't even make an effort to to sign him. I thought that was strange. Uh, we'll see. Maybe the knees really are that bad. I mean, the last time the Mavs said, you know, we don't think this guy can hold up health-wise, Steve Nash was an MVP in Phoenix. So very different training staff I know there now, but uh, it's not a great omen. And so if, they, if the Mavs expect Harrison Barnes to play the kind of game that Chandler Parsons could be on his best day, I think they're, they're not, they, that's not going to happen. That's not Harrison. That's, Harrison Barnes isn't that good.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm with you. And the, and the one thing, um, I mean, I mean, you can, you can look at, you can look at Barnes and, and say he's younger, you know, he has a chance to develop, but, but I agree he just doesn't have that, uh, same ce- ceiling. He doesn't really compare to to Parsons in my opinion, it, uh, as, as a player, you know,
1: I mean, he's he's maybe mean, will be on the floor more. I mean, that's that's really what it comes down to. If you're getting yeah. more games of him, then that, I guess, is a net positive. But, you know, if if they play a similar number of games or if it's just about who's a better player, you know, because, because Harrison Barnes cannot make plays for him, like, off the dribble the way Parsons can. I mean, he's just not as dynamic a playmaker, you know. Maybe having him play more four when Dirks on the bench will help unlock some of his ability to space the floor, and the fact that he can guard fours is probably a bit a good thing. But he can't do all the things Parsons can do, and so for the first time in a while, I wonder if there's sort of a playmaking kind of gap on this team now that Barnes is in Parsons' spot.
0: Yeah, in the go, go ahead. Go ahead Tim. Well sure? Uh, so the, I mean, I, I think the the thing though is like it's it's like uh, there's a playmaking. This difference between the two, but there's also a difference in what we are able to say about a player. And I think that's one of the things projecting. Uh, what Parsons will look like on this team and the type of player he is. Parsons is a pretty rounded into form player. I think a big thing of what the Mavericks are anticipating here is that we really haven't been able to see what Barnes is capable of. So what What if yeah, Barnes... I, about that. I, I think that's a big part of it, man. I mean, he had a very <laughs> no, no, limited no, no. role. I, I think that's that's what they're
1: thinking. I'm just not sure
0: there's Oh, and you there. disagree that you think that there isn't much <laughs> growth potential. I think there is a little bit more growth potential there. I, although I will say, through every level since he got to uh, North Carolina, he's sort of been just a little bit underwhelmed. And maybe that's because that is uh, who he is. Um, but I wanted to mention Bogut, though, too. We, we brought him up as sort of the other, he's 20%, I guess you'd say, of what came <laughs> over from Golden State. Um, Tim, do you think that Bogut's going to have a, 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 what type of effect, I guess is a better question, will Bogut have on this team? Because he's kind of a, a plotting older big man, and they have that already in their power forward. Um, what, do you, what do you foresee for Bogut?
2: let's let's put aside his injury concerns right now because that that is that is a problem and we can get into that but let's just talk about him as a player Um, I think he is a perfect center for Carlisle I I really love you know that he's a he's a really smart defender he's able to move next to Dirk he's probably not as as athletic as you'd like him to be you know next to Dirk at this point but um Mm. you know he's smart he's going to be in the right place um you know honestly Dirk is a lot is often in the right place too, you know, as far as his athleticism lets him to be. So I don't think there's going to be... You know, I think they're going to be a smart backcourt. I think they're going to be, you know, positionally sound. And I think the defense should actually, you know, anchored by Bogut and helped by some perimeter defenders. Um, I think the defense should actually be quite a bit better than the offense this year. Um, you, we talked about playmaking, too. And I, I really like that Bogut, you know, he can make some really nice passes. You even saw that when he was playing for Australia in uh, the Olympics this year or um You know, uh, just what he was able to do there and, you know, that they can give it to him in the high post. Uh, That's that's a that's a Mavericks uh, or at least a Carlisle staple that he likes to throw the ball into the high post to the center. Um, And, you know, he would do that with Tyson Chandler, uh, for example. And Tyson Chandler is not really even a playmaker, but uh, it was still a way to, you know, pull pull a big man out and initiate offense and uh, just move the defense around. And with being able to use Bogut on there, who can, you know, throw a backdoor cut. Um, or find a guy on the weak side corner. you know that's that's gonna be a valuable addition. I, I definitely think we're gonna see quite a bit of that when he's out there healthy.
1: Is he gonna be able to give him what Zaza gave him for the first three months of last year? because uh, to me, I, I don't think I think that's asking a lot of Andrew Boga at this stage of his career to give because Zaza was so good for the first two and a half months and then he sort of really faded by the end. but I mean, I, I don't know. do you think do you disagree? Do you think he can give him that?
2: i I feel like he can. I mean, again, you know, I guess guess here's the place to talk about the injury concerns is that, you know, he played about 21 22 minutes per game with the Warriors last year and they the Mavericks will ask him to play 27 28 and hopefully, you know, be healthy for 65 of them. So, um that's something that consistently he hasn't proven he can do um especially not in recent years. So, you know, but but if he can stay healthy, you know, I I like him as a player. I, I don't think they're going to ask you know, the, on offense, they will they will have plays and stuff designed for him on defense. Um, he will he will obviously have a responsibility in the middle. But, um, you know, that that he has perimeter defenders and that he has Dirk and, uh, you know, some shooting on on offense. I mean, on neither side, they're going to be asking, you know, the world of him. He's going to be, you know, a, a part of their defense, a part of their offense, but, you know, not, you know, not a you know a crucial or must-have you know he's just going to be one of one of the options one of the things that makes them uh tick on each side so so the
1: fear i have is just that he you get that for like maybe a half or even a full game but you don't get that for a stretch of games you maybe you don't get that for consistently for two weeks uh with him anymore you just can't do it, and, and he can't be healthy enough. And so, I, I actually think he's. I actually wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't play very much a ton this year. And you see more of Salah Mejri and Dwight Powell.
0: Well, so that good, it's good because that links together one of the questions we had from Sam Dunn. Thanks for shooting us a Twitter question here. Uh, he asked us, "Will Andrew Boga be a letdown to many Mavs fans?" And I think that Mike is going to say that. Yeah, I think the Mavs fans might be a little let down by just. Overall, how much he plays, Mike, or in terms of games, or, or are you are you predicting that we're going to see Bogut land himself on the disabled list on the IR or something like that at one point this season?
1: Uh, I just Tim saying they think that he can play 27, 28 minutes a game. Like I think, yeah. that's asking a hell of a lot from him. Like, yeah, I, I think yeah. realistically, he, he. I don't. The reason I asked the Zaza question is that it's hard for me to see how he makes that. How, yeah. Bogan makes that sort of impact. Now I nobody really saw Zaza making that sort of impact, so maybe that's the upside. But I, I would be surprised if he plays the kind of minutes Zaza played early in the year makes that kind of impact for that consistent amount of, an amount of time. I think he he did play well in the Olympics, but only for a couple games, and that's just a different game. It's much more physical, much less space. I'm sure. just I'm skeptical that we'll see a lot, which you know it may not be a bad thing because measuring Dwight Powell had their moments
0: last year. Sure, I think they, sure. they deserve time. And I want to get I want to get one more fan question here because it's right in the flow of this. Uh, Mauricio Puebla, thank you for your Twitter question here. Which surprise bench player will break out this year? Tim, tell us what front court player, as Mike kind of just alluded to Powell. If there's any others, or uh, or if you want to talk about just in general the depth behind Bogut, if injuries are a concern, which might help answer this question.
2: There's there's a lot to like in, in Pal and in Measury both. Um <laughs> Pal, I, I didn't love the contract they signed him to because I thought they might have been bidding against themselves, signing him for about four years and thirty-eight million, I wanna say. But you know, I'm not in the front office. So maybe they knew there was someone bearing down about to offer him the same thing. So yeah. Uh, I, I try not I try not to say that too, you know, definitively because I, I don't ultimately know. Um, I, I have right now the problem with pal last year. Was that he kind of fell between the four and the five? You know, when he was playing the five, uh, he was just a little bit too small, uh, too easily overpowered. When he was playing the four, uh, he really couldn't make shots outside of uh, five, six feet. Um, so if he's able to fix one of those two, you know, whether it's adding size or just you know picking up some some uh, veteran tricks to figure out how to deal with bigger players, or <laughs> if he's able to actually start hitting that 15-foot jump shot. Um, maybe even the three-pointer which he's shown a little bit here and there um, you know that would be a really good uh, thing for the mavericks to add a really good thing for him to add uh, and be able to factor into this team because he's athletic um, he's he's still Pretty young, you know. Generally, he plays smart defense. Uh, you know, he'll he'll pop up a rookie mistake here and there, but you know, he's he's a generally a smart player, which is you know the type of player that Rick Carlisle likes and the Rick yeah. Carlisle can trust. Um, for um he's a weird case. He was a rookie last year, but um, he's actually turning thirty now. He's been overseas for a while as a Tunisian player. Okay. Um, he, the The advantage he has is he's he's athletic. Uh, he blocks shots. Uh, he's probably the best you know, shot blocking center on the team. Um, and he's able to do a little bit on the offensive side, too, just with the, you know, dunking around the thing, yep. dunking around the rim and finishing shots. So, you know, the question that for him is not what he can do, it's just how consistently he can do it and, you know, whether he can stay healthy and whether he can stay out of foul trouble. So um, he probably has the highest upside, uh, you know, off off the bench of anyone coming off there, but he's also, yeah. you know, the biggest question mark. Will AJ Hammond's play at all? I I would doubt it. You know, okay. he'll he'll see a game here and there, but I I think he's. You saw him in in summer league. He was, you know, he looked his conditioning wasn't there, and he, yeah, he looked yeah. like he was just kind of adjusting to the game. So it's
0: huge. Um, that's why I ask I mean.
2: for for a he is he is for a senior though uh, a senior coming out of college um, he's a lot more of a project than you would think. <laughs> but we'll we'll see if he develops into anything in a year or two.
1: Well, there's also the guy you didn't mention, the young front court player that I think is going to play a lot this year, and that's Justin Anderson uh, on the wing. And if he can continue his late-season emergence, uh, I think there is a chance that Dallas could actually roll out. I mean, forever, it always seems like they just don't have enough like kind of athletic wing players who can guard the wing positions, and they're always playing small to compensate. They may actually be able to roll out sort of More With Anderson, hopefully Wes Matthews is healthier this year and he's a year removed from his surgery. And then Barnes at the four. I mean, they actually may have for finally some wing athleticism with those three on the floor at once when Dirk's not playing
2: yeah yeah imagine imagine a uh a closing lineup or you know any any lineup at at any point of the game where it's darren williams wesley matthews justin anderson harrison barnes and andrew bogut um to me that's a really good defensive lineup you know you have versatility you have two really good wing defenders depending on what you think of barnes um but but certainly he's at least at you know at worst he's average um and anderson yeah i'm I think every Mavs fan is, is as excited about him next season as they are anything else, Um, because what he was able to do down the stretch of the season uh, was really impressive. He has just a knack for making big plays, big defensive plays. Um, You know, he he's got chased down blocks. He had, you know, five or six really highlight versions of those. Um, You know, he's, he's got a good, good hands and good, good brain for you know breeding passing lanes and getting there um so there's there's really a lot to like and if his offensive game can you know rise any any higher than it was last year then he is a uh the first guy off the bench and you know definitely one of the best you know one of the better sophomore players in the league ideally
0: i always liked his game a lot in college too specifically at uva i thought he was an exceptional player there
1: yeah, he's got to change. The, he's got to speed up that little catapult three-point shooting motion yep. a little bit. Yep. He only shot uh twenty-six percent from three. That's that's not going to cut it. But uh, yeah, he can really move.
0: What about the backcourt? Pray anybody else you like. There, you want to talk about? Like Seth Curry or uh, is Darren Williams? What, th- what, what do you guys
2: think
1: about Seth Curry? Because he's he's a very interesting guy to me. I'm yeah. curious to hear your thoughts. I mean, he. He had he got his some moments uh, with Sacramento. He can't guard anyone, uh, but he sort of has a little bit of like kind of a mini Steph game in sort of the way he shoots the ball off the screen. He's kind of a threat. I think he could. Carlisle could make something out of him without a question. I was very surprised that Sacramento let him go, not because he was anything special, but just because he was inexpensive, and look at the point guards they have now, so I'm not quite sure why they let him go, Uh, but yeah, I think that was a nice little pickup for the Mavs. He can... And Darren Williams had a pretty good year last year, and they still have J.J. Berea. I mean, I, I guess the, the question I would have is more just, will Carlisle kind of resist his usual temptation to kind of play with two small guards? Uh, they also still have Devin Harris, you know, and will he resist kind of playing sort of Curry and Williams together? Because to me, that's just a terrible defensive backcourt, you know, and... Carl always finds a way to make those lineups work, but for the first time, again, it feels like the Mavs actually have some talent on the wing. I feel like it would be a mistake to play those guys together more as often as he usually would. There is If, if you're considering Anderson, mostly going to be
2: a three, which I think I see him there with Barnes playing the three and the four, um, there's not really a backup uh, you know, shooting guard, a pure shooting guard. Um, so you're going to still see a lot of two-guard lineups, but hopefully it's two-guard lineups with... You know, a, a bigger guy at the three and a bigger guy at the four that can kind of, uh, you know, mismatch if you mix and match if you need them to. Um, but, yeah, it's it's, it's still going to be, you know, Devin Harris and J.J. Barea and yep. uh, both of those guys. It, it, what you're hoping if you're a Mavs fan is that uh, Seth Curry can really take over one of their roles or, you know, eat into both of their roles and, and really be a player for them because he was honestly for about 30 games, for about 20, or maybe it was just the t- final 20 games, but he was really good with the Kings. Um, he was able to do a lot. He was uh, he was he was running the pick and roll really well. He shot I want to say 44, 45 percent behind the arc. So um, in theory, there's a lot to like, especially because this team um, doesn't have nearly enough people who can run the pick and roll outside of um, Berea and uh, a little bit of Darren Williams.
1: Well, what's what's always nice about the Mavs is that you can take guys who really aren't that good running pick and roll and just have not run it with Dirk and they look a lot better. So, I mean, <laughs> that true. is that is
2: uh JJ Bray's career
1: pretty much. <laughs> like that's the thing about the Mavs. So, it, it's almost not a big deal that he's not as good. I mean, I think it's a good fit. It's a good match of player and system.
0: Well, we should we should ask uh a friend of the pod, Harrison Fagin, sent us say um a question about this, and we can then we could talk about. It. We really haven't really given Dirk the time on the percentage of a Mavericks podcast that should be spent on Dirk. We need to fulfill that. Um, otherwise, it would be we'd be doing a, a disjust or injustice. Um, the question is I mean, this will probably come up. So here we are talking about it, but how long can Dirk really keep going? So it's two more years, Tim, or it's let see how this year goes, or where are we at right now? Well, it's, it's sad
2: because I've seen KG retire and I've seen Kobe (laughs) retire and and Duncan's gone. And like, it's, it's, you have to face that inevitability because, you know, it's, it's hitting you in the, it's been a very sad summer. Just seeing all these other people go knowing Dirk's, you know, probably the last guy of his class and his is coming up. But, um, I guess, I guess the good thing is that it's probably two more years at this point. Um, Dirk signed it to your deal. You know, he's, he's going to be back, uh, for, for both of those, um, and usually when what he's been saying is that he's he's signing it based on what he what he wants to play. He's said for a while that 20 years, you know, 20 20 seasons in the BA sounds, you know, it's a nice round number. It sounds really nice to him. Um, sure. so, so if he's anything for you know intervals of 10, that's that's the thing he's kind of into. So um, I, I guess. so it does seem like he's gonna stick around for for two more seasons barring. You know, a catastrophic one next year that just, you know, it's unless basketball isn't fun for him, unless he's injured all year, um, unless he's just really not good and just not enjoying it, then uh, I, I do think it'll be two seasons.
1: I, I thought he had a remarkable year last year. I, I was just a remark, a year that was, I think, underappreciated. You know, his, his numbers looked about the same. His efficiency numbers looked about the same. But he played more minutes. Uh, And keep in mind, too, I think there were stretches the previous year where he really did look like he was showing his age, you know, certainly in the second half of the year. And to come back and be that healthy and be that productive and be that good with benching, it was really more essential to the team's success last year. You know, to carry that much of a load uh, at his age after a year where he wasn't quite himself at times, I thought was incredible. It was remarkable. That was a. A big thing I did not expect and a big key to their season, especially early on, you know, when some of the other parts weren't all working, you know, it it was really incredible and that he's able to do that. So, I mean, can he do it? Can he have another season like that again? I mean, I don't I don't see why not. Yeah, yeah.
0: Not much has changed, really. The game isn't predicated upon his uh, vertical leap, so you know I feel like uh, the way he's aging into the the mental type of uh, part of the game and just knowing where he needs to be. His game was already perfect for that, you know. Um, yeah, I feel like the twenty years being a square number is fine, and if he probably if he wanted to do twenty two years because he likes symmetry, then he might do that, right?
2: Yeah, I mean he knows what he's doing. Obviously, he's been yeah. in the league so long. Um, yeah, I want to say it was you know probably halfway through the season. Uh, when I came across the stat uh, again, like 30, 40 games in, and he had he had something like five drives as as categorized by sports teams. So he's, <laughs> he's he's not putting it on the ground and dribbling. That's that's not happening anymore. But he, you know. You, you you will actually see that every once in a while you saw it in like the playoffs or you know a late season game where he was actually able to put the ball on the floor and you know because the defenders were overplaying him so much not expecting him to do that so he still has the ability but he's you know at his age he's just like no i, I can't do that for the sake of my body he understands <laughs> that you know he has to kind of play a little bit differently uh just to preserve himself so you know he's he's playing a really efficient game he'll He'll uh, he'll he'll do stuff from the post where it just takes you know a dribble or two to get the shot he wants or, or none at all. Um, yep. You know he's he's shooting more threes than he has. Uh, really trying to spot up from there. Um, so you know there's there's a lot to like. Um, his shot's not going anywhere. Um, you know. There, there's times where he would he would have worse shooting games than you you usually see from him, and it's probably because his legs aren't quite holding up like like they used to. But right. in general, he has such a repeatable stroke, such you know one of the best ever that you know it's it's hard for him to to keep missing shots like yeah,
0: even, shooting.
1: Yeah, 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 it was it it's was an amazing
0: it, thing to be able to shoot so well, right? It's incredible. But
1: should we feel bad for him? I mean, you wrote a piece at the end of the year last year where it was. Dirk's lonely journey after kind of his overmatched team got knocked out by the Thunder. And then for what seems like the 700th summer in a row, they have top free Asian dreams. They want Hassan Whiteside. They want Mike Conley. This year, those are dashed on day one of free agency. Uh, Conley goes right back to Memphis, and Whiteside goes right back to Miami. And they even lose – they basically swap Chandler Parsons for Harrison Barnes. They're rolling back another roster of you know spare parts with Dirk and Carlisle. He's a year older. I think a lot of general fans feel bad. I mean, should we do you think we should feel bad for what's happened to him and the team over the last 6 years since the title, you know? Or or is this kind of have, are we being a little over dramatic with all that?
2: I remember one person actually in response to that piece, said, you know, I don't I don't feel bad for Dirk because he did win that ring. And I think I think that's a fair fair response. You know, it's not like a Carl Malone situation where sure. um he he never got there. He definitely got the ring, but he will remember that forever. Um, that's the reason he's staying in Dallas and not, not, you know, even really considering leaving the team because he got that ring and, you know, now he just wants to stay loyal. Um, the thing I probably feel bad for is not necessarily that he, that he didn't get a second ring. Um, although, you know, you have to feel bad about 2006 when they're that close, but the, the thing sure. I really feel bad about the past five years is that, you know, they've asked him to do so much and then it's every year, like there's, there's been no relief every year. It's been, you know, you're the number one guy. Um, you know, they brought in Monte Bonte was the only guy who even resembled a second scorer, a guy who could take some weight off of him. Uh, you know, I thought Parsons could maybe be that guy and they, they let him walk in, in favor of Barnes. So every year it's been like, you know, so much of a burden, uh, Dirk knowing he has to play well, or this team isn't going anywhere. Um, you know, if, if they had just been a five or six seed, you know, consistently, you know even you know maybe occasionally getting home court advantage and even if they lost in the playoffs in the second round there you know as as long as things had been a little bit easier on him I, I wouldn't feel as bad but you know it's it's been a struggle for him every year it, it feels like and even though they end up being successful you know it a lot of it comes back to him just being otherworldly and there's like really no other option for him so no, I can only imagine I t- how stressful that is
0: I tend to agree the the latter years of his career you're absolutely right He has been the number one option when you, you know, contrast that with, uh, you know, Kevin Garnett or even Tim Duncan, you know, they've, they've been tertiary parts of their teams for years now. Um, and, and the number three, four options in certain cases. Um, and obviously Duncan's had his spurts within the the playoffs a couple of years ago where he looked amazing again, but you can see his, his fall off was pretty precipitous uh, this year. And Kevin Garnett's been nothing more than a, you know, a bench 10 to 11 minutes a game type guy for four seasons now. Um. But when you look at what how much of a burden Dirk Dirk had to have worn for the franchise, and also just he is the franchise. Um, you know th- this whole Mavericks thing didn't really take off and become you know the success of the new era of, of Mavericks, I should say, of call it the the uh, mid 90s on the Cuban era. But, you know has been defined by by Dirk. Um, he's been the face of the franchise and and in more than a number of ways, and he's also been the pillar. Obviously not just when they won their NBA championship, but uh, that common thread of trying to secure cure these other big men around him um these last few seasons has also you know been one of the you know as you said about the misses that's been a theme as well uh Fredo when you think uh, about his legacy right now do you feel bad for him
1: I, I feel a little bad for him at least he got he got his money this year at yeah he did finally, get paid at least they finally like we're like okay fine we're we're not gonna ask him yeah. to take a pay cut to make this team work at least he finally has money I feel a little bad because, first of all, never got a chance to defend that title, which is sort of one of those things that you take away from a player and is is really painful, whether it's the right thing to do or not. And it's always been the same thing. You know, they're, they're always looking for these big, big fish hunting. And I would say really only once the DeAndre situation did they really come that close to getting what they wanted. And so they've never really valued kind of building a draft infrastructure and trying to kind of bring in some young talent you know anderson is probably the first promising draft pick i mean i guess powell as well in the second round that they've brought in in five years you know they they could have drafted Giannis, and instead they traded that pick to save some money on their salary cap i believe i have those years right uh maybe i'm mixing picks there they, yeah, yeah. How is have? Do you guys have an update on the Shane Larkin extension? You know, with that <laughs>
2: is that not happening? It has is not he not ha- to be
1: any Oh, man? <laughs> oh man, yeah, yeah. I guess that didn't really work out, did it, huh? No, they, they trade Jay Crowder and he blossoms somewhere else. And so, it it always just. I mean, I go back to the analogy at the beginning. It always feels like a house of cards that they're building around him. And so, in that sense, I I do feel bad because I think that there is. They're trying to do right by him, so I admire that they are not just bottoming out, which I thought they might would do last year, on not on purpose, but obviously they did not. But they have also – when for someone that old, you need to find a way to bring in some young talent that's not like kind of – you also have to be realistic about with yourselves. Like, you know, you're not – You're not the free agent destination you think you are. You're not getting the great, Mm -hmm. great players that you think they are. And there wasn't, I think they were just through so many eggs in that basket that it really, in the end, kind of failed Dirk's best chance to defend that title in a way and kind of build a team that where he is sort of, again, not the pillar, like kind of like Duncan or Garnett or whatever. Yeah, the thinking behind it
2: was noble. Yeah, yeah, the thinking behind it was noble in the sense that Cuban and, and Donnie in the front office were like, hey, let's get another superstar, um, and, and let's actually give Dirk a chance for a realistic chance for another title or, or even two. But you ultimately, you're judged by your execution, and uh, obviously, that did not work out for them in, in any way. Um, I, I would say they got pretty close to Darren Williams, too, um, and he ended up signing with Brooklyn when they when they traded for Joe Johnson that was kind of the they the, dodged a the bullet move. on that one <laughs> I I do wonder if Darren would have been a little bit better here in Dallas with their training staff and being home you know he's he's from here he but in general he definitely wasn't going to be the player that could be compared to Chris Paul as being the best point guard in the league um, and then you know the year after that the year after that they, they never did come close until DeAndre um, so so yeah it's it's unfortunate that they never they never got the player uh, that they could put next to Dirk, and in retrospect, you know, just going based off execution, which is all you can do in the NBA. Um, clearly, the right option would have been to bring back the title team, and you know, try to try to get younger and and hope you know they get a Giannis type player or something, something like that. So, uh, it's it is a shame how how he ended up being kind of the only guy on a team just kind of grinding away with with little to no help, uh, or not no help, but you know, not not enough to consistently make this team. Sure. A playoff team without his superhuman efforts.
0: Sure, sure. Well, I think we've done a good job of defining kind of the bits and pieces of the team, the new additions, etc. Uh, first, you don't, don't want to go.
2: You don't want to go twenty more minutes on
0: Quincy ac I, I was going to say we haven't talked about Quincy AC. We could spend the last twenty on him if you want, but uh, we know what Quincy will AC will bring. No, it's. it's and so that's, uh, but anyhow, uh, we should get to predictions because I want to. I want to talk about the Mavericks uh, over under real quick that came out the other day. It's it's a lot lower than um, than I actually thought it'd be. They were forty two and forty last season, and the projected over under that came out to start the year was thirty nine and a half wins. I, I when was the last time the Mavericks didn't win forty games? Uh, they, oh man, I don't think they've
2: done that since the lockout season. Okay. The lockout right. season, I want to say they were on pace for, uh, they, they ended up going 500 that year. Okay. So they were on pace to win 40 games. That didn't You're, win a full season.
0: Right, right. So I felt that jumped out, right? Away and now, when I look at NBA futures, they're back in that, in, you know, right around the Nuggets and, and Hornets, and, and um, you know, in a realm of teams that I would call the back middle um, of the NBA, the, the the for sure not playoff teams that are going to win the championship, but potentially teams that could that could mess around and and be in that seven eight seed at forty two and forty last year. Uh, obviously, it was it was a different NBA season in the Western Conference, and that made made you guys a six seed. Let's get to some predictions on where we see this year's Mavericks landing. Um, as always, kind of Tim, the format here is you're going to give us your expert opinion and Mike is going to give you um, the, the, you know, we call it the, the kind of truth hammer of doubt or pessimistic um, smash of death that Mike will put on every prediction. we You got to work great. on this. Um, got to work on so,
1: this name. The, the pessimism <laughs> hammer of death is, is, needs some improvement. Yeah, well, that's where yes, Mike that comes over the
0: top with this. <laughs> yeah, let us know, please. Um, so what do you think they uh, – uh, real quick also before I say – they were ne- negative in point differential last year as well. Um, they were one of two playoff teams in the West to make it with a negative point differential, which, is, again, is usually usually kind of rare, um, especially in the Western Conference. But uh, go ahead, Tim. Go ahead.
2: I, I'm I'm so sorry. I've been – pratemism. Pet, pessimism, <laughs> of, I like that. afraid, afraid that's good <laughs> okay. i i am Ooh, just, okay. i am derailing this segment all right uh i oh, i good. probably i probably see i i've been saying and i i hate predictions because it's always really a range <laughs> that i'd rather predict but uh, i've been saying probably 42 42 or 43 wins okay. um the range i've been saying is 35 to 45 and i just <laughs> always go high side because of carlisle because i think he's gonna you know, squeak out three, four, you know, two, three, four wins that he shouldn't. But, Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, let's say, let's say one more win the last there. Let's say 43 somehow.
0: All right, Mike. All
1: right. Um, well, I actually think the roster looks a little better coming to the year than it did coming into last year. I mean, Barnes to Parsons is a downgrade, but I mean, depth wise, I think someone asked us, uh, I'm trying to find the exact question. Uh, someone asked us, like, how would you compare the roster? The
0: this is I got the question. It was Jay uh, Jay Apaji. Okay, how much better is the Mavs uh, depth uh, this very year free- than it was last year on paper? Barring frequent
2: injuries. frequent Mavs Moneyball reader, so shout there out to Jay. Nice, yeah.
0: Nice. I mean, yeah, they Jay. have
1: they have a better. Their roster seems a little bit more secure this year. I mean, they have. They have a couple other options if Bogut isn't very good at center. Uh, They have Anderson kind of hopefully emerging. They've got some depth in the backcourt. I mean – so I, I kind of think they're just going to do what they did last year, and you know what they're going to do, and the question is more about, like, what about these other teams? Are they going to step up to the plate here? You know, because I, I don't think they're better than Houston, Oklahoma City, or Portland. Um, I don't think they're better than those teams, but, you know, they could certainly be better than Minnesota, than, you know, I think they are probably better than Denver and New Orleans. So. You know eight or nine seed, like it kind of just depends. Is Minnesota arrive in time? And I, I, it wouldn't surprise me that much if Dallas is back there in the sixth seed. And it, it wouldn't surprise me that much if they're, you know, a few games out of the playoffs. You know, it, we kind of know what we're getting from them. And the big key is, like, can Dirk have another season like he did last year? We, we don't, I don't question his greatness. I just, yeah. He's getting older and, you know, even a little bit of of slippage, I think, will make a difference. And so that's really the big question to me. Like, can he possibly have play that? I mean, he played 32 minutes a game last year after playing 29 the previous year. I mean, if he can do that again, then I think they'll make the playoffs. If there's a little bit of slippage, I'm I'm not so sure. So put me down, I guess, for like 40 wins in the ninth seed. But, I mean, I'm not not really – it wouldn't surprise me too much if they wedged their way in again.
2: Yeah, Yeah, I guess – that's the other half of my prediction that I yeah. felt. To give. I've been saying, you know, 43 wins or so, but I, I could easily see the ninth seed out of that. I've been saying, you know, I, th- I think enough teams will kind of rebound and, and be in those mid 40s again that, you know, I, I think they might finish one spot out of the playoffs, sure. even by tiebreaker or something.
1: Although at the, on this, at the same time, there's always a team that we think will do well that does not for various That's reasons. True. And so true. I, I, maybe Dallas can... is that team. Maybe I mean I thought they'd be that team last year and it it didn't happen so I, I'm not betting it this year.
0: Yeah, I can't decide if I think that they're better than Memphis. Those two teams I'm still kind of trying to flip flop in my head. Um, we went we went through the Memphis podcast, uh, you know, a couple of days ago, and and I, I was convinced they're a little bit better than I thought they were going into that podcast. Uh, I was not sure about them. I think that I think that nucleus makes more sense to me with the pieces around them. I think a similar thing just kind of happened with this Mavericks podcast where. I I, I think I had them at about 40 and 42 in my notes. I think maybe I'll flip that now. I think they're about the same type of record, but a a better team in a better conference to kind of go along with what you guys were saying. I think that's kind of where I'm in agreement. So let's say 42 and 40 again. Uh, but potentially that being the 9-10 spot. Um, we'll see. Very competitive Western Conference. We say it every single podcast, but that middle chunk of each of the conferences is so tight. There's so much parity Injuries are going to be so important, and when you have old pieces like a Bogut, and Dirk's obviously not a young guy, uh, Darren Williams is always a, a moment away from shattering into a thousand pieces, um, but I do hope the Mavs stay healthy, I'd love to see, because he's such a big Dirk fan, and I do have that that sympathy that you wrote about, Tim, I, I agree with that, I'd love to see him get one more run, or at least one more you know, seventh game and even a first round against a a highly uh, regarded team like maybe a Spurs matchup again would be great oh, uh, for be old nice. times' sake. It'd be, It'd be really good.
1: Fun two seven.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, and and just kind of a nice bow on and a rivalry they've that's been played out so many times. I can really get into that. Just Suns Tim Duncan for the first time, which will kind of be a little cathartic. Um, cool. So, I think we hit everything. I mean, I don't have any other predictions really. Tim, um, anything coming up on Mavs Moneyball that we should be aware of in the next, uh, next couple of weeks?
2: Uh, we're just we're just covering media day, covering covering everything that cool. that has to do player player previews, all sorts of stuff. So we'll have oh. we'll have a lot of lot of stuff up there.
1: It's a very good uh, comprehensive. It's you got to scroll down the page a little bit, but very comprehensive look at what Harrison Barnes is good and bad at. That is worth reading. Uh, I do not have the writer's name offhand, but. Uh, That's definitely worth checking out. Uh, I don't think there's a really easy answer for that question. Um, So that's why I like the piece. It didn't really pretend to come to an easy answer. It just kind of laid it all
0: out there for you. JC Fisher? That's That's the one. that's the one. one. Cool. Cool. Well, yeah, give that a read. It'll probably complement well the conversation we had uh, earlier on in this podcast where we kind of pontificated on what his fit will be. Um, I do think that it's going to be interesting to see a guy like him what type of exposure toward these superstars this summer, how that kind of uh, will relate to the way that he handles himself uh, coming from that Olympic, uh, the Olympic rub we talk about. But that type of bump could be important for the way he handles himself. Maybe he'll see himself in that that light that that he could then play into.
1: Well, he certainly saw a lot. He certainly watched a lot of great players. <laughs>
0: <the games. laughs> he did. He did. That's true. That's he true. did get
1: a good seat to that.
0: Maybe the experience alone will change his uh, perspective on what it means to lead. I don't know. I'm just trying to be optimistic. I think this could be an interesting team. Um, let's see. As always, Tim, we appreciate you uh, you joining us, man. Not your first time won't be your last time. So thanks again for joining us, buddy.
2: For sure. Appreciate y'all.
1: Yeah. Th- thanks for coming on. We uh, coming up next, we are going to have the Portland trailblazers with uh, our friends at blazers edge. Uh, and then after that, the Detroit Pistons, uh, we're going back to the Eastern conference, Detroit, very, very fun team very on the rise team that i think could do some big things this year so those two will both those teams really will will be very interesting to talk about
0: some fun fan bases too guys be looking out for that enjoy this mass podcast i hope that everyone enjoyed this this mass podcast and until next time limited upside podcast